Whereas if you look at a scale-up, typically it means that they are bit, a bit past the startup scale. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not culturally still feeling like a startup, but now the problems are not as much raising money, but it's about putting 50 new people uh, into your company and about crazy growth and things like that. So we are here just having a little chit chat before we are live and we are actually now live. And today we're going to talk about the lessons learned from debut careers. And this is going to be an exciting one because we're going to be talking about um, a lot of the, the insights that are learned from being inside of the organization. And as a startup, you want to grow to be a scale-up. And so here at the Scale-Up Valley podcast, we bring you the experts to make that happen. Now, my name is Ryan Fullen. I'm passionate about speaking, about simplicity, and I'm going to be taking some notes. The notes look like this right now. And by the end of the show, they will be nice, full, and robust with lots of Sharpie marker on them. But let's kick this thing off. Mike, I'm going to pass it over to you. You have the mic, and let's, let's <laughs> talk. Let's talk learning lessons. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Michele, for joining us today. Uh, really a pleasure to have this conversation. And yeah, so let's present you um, to, the, to the audience and uh, so let me know uh, how your career started and how you ended up starting uh, Deadwood. Okay. Um, hello, everybody. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Ryan, for having me here. Um, so I have a quite... Probably unusual um, background as, um, you know, today I'm the co-founder of, of Debut, which is a tech um, a recruitment uh, platform. But um, I started my career over 15 years ago in, uh, in banking, in a completely different uh, setting and environment. Um, so I, um, I'm Italian, as you could probably tell by my accent, uh, but I've lived in London for almost 20 years. And... Um, and 15 years ago, I started, I had a passion for investment banking and I started working at Goldman Sachs um, here in London. Uh, did a few years um, basically advising large clients uh, on various um, um, corporate finance transactions and then moved with Goldman to New York uh, where I worked on the trading floor. Um, but um, unfortunately, it was, uh, and it was 2008 and I lived the whole uh, financial basically from the epicenter of that, um, of that um, you know, of, of everything that was happening. And, uh, and that was certainly a life experience, but not one that I'd like to, to repeat. Um, when I came back to London, of ex-Goldman people, we, um, we set up an asset management firm, um, and, um, and we basically were um, helping companies to um, lend money to, to grow effectively. Uh, so we were uh, helping private equity firms to buy company, companies, and we were helping companies that instead that just to refinance the debt and so forth. And I think my interest, you know, in both the experiences has always been around companies and how to run a proper company and what a good company promising revaluable business looks like and, you know, what, you know, instead it doesn't uh, look like a good business. And, and basically after 10 years in that sort of field, I decided that uh, it was time to do something maybe a little bit more exciting, something that um, would make me feel um, that I was uh, contributing more directly to, to something, to a business, to uh, people, to helping a certain people or solving a certain problem. 
Um, and then, um, and so I decided to basically have a change of career. And in order uh, to find inspiration, I moved to Argentina in, in, uh, in South America. And uh, there I worked in a startup of a friend for a few months where I kind of um, was my first foray into, into, this, into this crazy world of startups. Um, and after six months, I was back in London, but I had no doubt that that's exactly what I wanted to do. So after a few experiences here and there, helping a couple of uh, you know, startups of friends and, and, and acquaintances, um, I was introduced to my former business partner who had this fantastic idea of building debut. Um, and for me, um, I know it was, uh, it was a no-brainer. I had to join him and I had to um, like try as much as possible to build this new platform to help young people get into the job of um, into their first job and started their career. Um, you know, if you, um, we'll get to talk more about debut, but one thing that um, was, was very interesting for me when I met um, Charlie, my, my business partner was that, um, you know, he painted this picture where, and even the biggest companies in the world, take Google, they still try to hire uh, graduates and 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 um, interns um, using the same channels and the same tools that they were using 15 or 20 years ago when I was at university. And for me, it was something that, you know, that's what startups exist for, to disrupt industries and to take, you know, technology and, have, and all the benefits around technology and bring them into, um, you know, into industries that are still, you know, very, very old, old fashioned. Got it. And, and how Deput is helping uh, those interns or in those corporates uh, to kind of reach out to those interns and postgraduates in the market? So we, we launched Debut four years ago. Um, Debut, we, um, you know, it's, it's the world's first careers app, mobile app dedicated exclusively to students and to graduates. Um, now, if you, um, if whether you are a company, a large company or a student, uh, the process of finding each other is still a very uh, convoluted and difficult process because um, we live in a world with very limited um, information. And so students don't know what opportunities are out there. They don't know what they, um, they don't have enough information to be able to make a an informed choice and, and, and go and apply to the various different companies. Now, even though when they can apply to the companies, the process that they have to go through, you know, hours and hours of application forms is exactly the same as it's been 20 years. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, and it creates a, you know, for a young person, a university creates a very difficult, um, a, a very difficult process is daunting, is, is challenging. It's, uh, it's very unpleasant and very often then gets people into jobs where they just happen to be to find themselves rather than jobs and careers where they really want to work. Um, on, the other, on the other hand, you have companies that have big employer brands that spend a lot of money getting and enriching talent, but they still can only access um, talent that is within the reach of that employer brand. Um, you know, and, and the main consequence, the first consequence of this is that you read every day that, you know, in financial services, you don't have enough um, um, 
have female employees, you don't have enough applicants to jobs in banking, or you have um, um, a lot of industries that effectively are very hard to enter into for people that come from a certain socioeconomic background. And this overall creates an inequality in the system. So if you don't go to certain top universities, you are a lot less top law firm. And the people that go to those universities are people that were advantaged, at least from an economical background, from since when they were kids. So we created Debut. Debut does you know, two main things. One is a mobile app for students, which puts them, in, um, which allows them to showcase all their skills and expertise and, and characteristics to a very wide array of employers. And on the other side, allows employers to tap into of talents into students that they would not reach otherwise. So um, an investment bank might, for instance, decide to organize a breakfast meeting or a private event at their offices where they only want to invite a number of female applicants, for instance, um, who have a certain expected degree, who have a um, foreign European language, for instance, and basically at the button, they can engage 15, 20, 100 students on the mobile phone and then and invite these people straight to, um, to their event. And it's something that until debut has never been, has never been possible. Got it. Uh, and and um, I assume that for the students, uh, uh, it is free, and so how, how the business model works, I, I'm, sh I'm sure that the, the audience is asking themselves, how can they use this app uh, if they are a student and if we are the audience, if we have having any corporate, how the business model works to use that group? It is indeed uh, free for students. Obviously, we believe in equal access to career opportunities for every student, so uh, the student pay would really our, our why statement, if you like. Um, so it's free for the students and it takes five minutes to onboard and put all the relevant details. And then employers basically uh, pay uh, depending on what activity they want to do on the platform and what campaigns they want to run on the platform. So it could be a single push notification to a certain group of students. It could be instead a longer um, three, four months campaign where they engage a cohort of students in um, across different channels via emails, distributing their own content, and um, inviting them to a webinar, inviting them to um, an assessment center, and across the, the you know the period of the campaign. Um, so it's um, it's a platform that works for at the moment primarily for companies that have a certain number of hires every year, not for the small um, you know small and medium enterprise, but. Um, but is a platform that can be used for, you know, a point, uh, a, you know, point in time activity, or a platform that can be used for a large employer or large graduate employers throughout the year, every month, they could do a different activity to engage a different cohort of uh, of talent or students. And basically, for the student, it's like being headhunted on their phone while they are, you know, having a beer with their friends at, at the pub or. Uh, or at a lecture or studying for an exam and the phone basically lights up and says, uh, hey, you've been talent spotted, that's how we call this push notification, by Vodafone and you have been invited to an interview. Maybe you have not even thought about 
um, a potential career with Vodafone. And that's, that's where the magic happens. Got it. And um, you were talking about your uh, co-founder, Charlie. What is the background of your co-founder? So he was um, a, a former consultant at EY. Um, so an accountant, tax accountant uh, by trade. And he had the idea, um, it was his idea initially, um, he was a university, um, he left university not long um, you know, before he started, even when he was in university. It, it could not understand why everything that the student does can be done through a mobile app, but except for looking for a job or learning about opportunities out there. And so he had this idea about creating something that was in an app. And then when he went to work at EY, he actually saw that on the other side of the fence, employers are massively struggling, struggling to attract the right talent. They are limited very often to how many universities there um, the careers team can visit, which is in the UK is an average of 12. So all the other 150 universities are basically um, not visited by someone from, um, from a company. And so those students are already automatically in a worse position or disadvantage when it's time to apply because they don't know exactly what, um, you know, what opportunities are available or, or, or they've not people from that particular employer. Um, so there was a direct experience from him that brought him to say, okay, that's a problem that we need to solve. And for me, again, when he told me that companies today still do the same things that they were doing 15 years ago by just posting a job on, on a job board, um, you know, it just, it, <laughs> that's a no brainer. Yeah, so both of you are from a business uh, background, or do you have any uh, additional co-founders, or that, that's two? Uh, no, it was just the two of us. Got it. And uh, Yeah, and I would say that um, in those kind of um, companies, uh, one of the things that investors want to see is a technical co-founder, and, and we move forward a little bit how, how you organize your founding team um, and, and your leadership team after that. So what is the ad count of Devu at this stage? So we are about 35 people today. Got it. Got it. And so what, what was the evolution? So both of you started the business. Uh, how do you solve the technical uh, side of the business? And uh, how did you move forward in terms of adding people to the business? You, Mike, you are, you are completely right. Uh, investors are very focused on the technical co-founder and very often they were asking us, so where is your technical co-founder? When we were busy <laughs> at the beginning, um, it's, um, it's very important. I mean, this is something I actually recommend to anyone that starts a business today and, and they don't, that don't come from a, that kind of background is just try to get a co-founder that has the technical skills because it's going to help you, especially at the beginning, it's going to help you very much. Now, in our case, we just happen not to have one. And vice versa. Sometimes we have the opposite problem. And vice versa. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so in our case, it was just uh, it was just the two of us when we started. And uh, um, we had um, we basically hired a, um, a tech agency. Um, which is based here in the UK, but with a developer, with a developing team in Argentina. So I'm um, kind of an offshore um, model that um, allowed us to effectively maintain the costs 
but still have someone here that we could talk to and, and, and see at least once a week. Um, and this person happened to be a, um, it actually the, the person that in, introduced us then, Charlie and myself at the beginning. Um, so it's, um, we relied on this external um, agency to do the hardcore, um, you know, the heavy lifting in the first, you know, for the for launch in the first year or so. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have been, we've been lucky, not everybody, uh, not everybody does that, is um, that we had a really strong relationship with the, um, basically the partner of this agency that was in charge of the delivery um, or in the agency for the debut projects. And then, and we ended up hiring um, the pushing effectively this uh, guy from Argentina, from Buenos Aires and moving it to London as our head of tech. Wow. Um, I say pushing, but in reality it was done all with, uh, um, you know, with the blessing of, of the owner of the agency and, uh, and uh, who is also one of our, um, one of our uh, first shareholders. So, um, so we managed to engage to basically have this continuity from the very first piece of code that was created to, to today, because uh, Tom, our head of tech, is still, um, you know, has been has been with us from from the from the very very beginning. Um, I know that not not it's not always the case with when you use external external agencies. Um, and actually, um, you are right in saying that um, investors focus very much on that, and I think rightly so. Uh, you are a tech company with whose USP needs to be your tech platform and your product. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that in-house, um, it's like you're, you're, missing, you're missing something. Um, so we, um, when we close our series, um, sorry, our seed round with Local Globe, um, one of the first priorities of the business was to make sure that the core team, we had a couple of people already here, but that the core team of developers was in-house um, and you know we can use we can use other uh, freelancers or other agencies externally but you know not to do the heavy lifting of you know the back end the the key um, app developers and so forth and it might be interesting to go a little bit deeper uh, there uh, because for anyone who is a little bit earlier and uh, still with a very good opportunity but didn't find yet the technical co-founder um, you were able to move forward and raise uh, a seed round. So what was the developer position that you crafted to, um, to the investor to be able to have him or them uh, on board, namely the kind of caliber of investors that you have in? And what was the difference from the seed round uh, fundraising process to the Series A um, fundraising process? So what was the shift in terms of uh, developer position from the seed round to the... Mm -hmm the Series A round? Very, very good question. Um, so for investors, what's important, I think at every stage, I mean, you have, you have a product that is live, is launched and is in the market, is traction. And everything is about being able to demonstrate tractions with your um, target client, customer, user base, depending on the product. In our case, we obviously have you know, we are a marketplace. So we have customers who are the clients, the, the, the graduate employers, and we have users who are the students on our, on our app. 
Um, and uh, the, the most important thing was being able to see that you have um, good metrics on both sides of the, the fence of the marketplace and that you have a good growth um, in um, good growth. Now, at seed stage, I believe that usually companies have a couple of elements that are very strong, but mm-hmm. elements that needs to be developed. So you might have a fantastic team already, but um, and raise money on the back of the team, but maybe not exactly the traction that um, company might have, or vice versa. As it was to be fair, in our case, we had a we had very good traction. We had the, the we've been able to. Uh, demonstrate the first you know, product market fit, if you like. We had users that were very engaged and kept coming back on the app and engaging with employers there. And um, we had, um, you know, we had relied a lot on external help for, on the tech side. It's something that we had to, to fix. And the investors were, um, I think, very um, um, understanding and, you know, they, they, they decided to come on board with the idea that within six months we had to make certain key hires and to continue to work the business and, and make it and make it more stable. Now a series A it's a series A is a little bit different, I think. Because Series A focuses very much on the um, next the next part. It focuses on the billion dollar opportunity and they they really want to have a clear sign and a clear proof that there is a billion dollar opportunity that the company can get there. Um, so I, I felt that that was less, a little less of a focus in the very early stage. But as you go, obviously the valuation of the companies here, the round size is much bigger. Um, you need to be able to demonstrate that. And one thing that I think is very important for every founder, so I say this to everybody that you know cares to listen, is that you need to to take a good good look at yourself and your business and at your your um, desires and ambition for the company. Because um, you can go down different routes when you fundraise. You can go with the most aggressive, VC and you need to understand that VC will require you to run. The certain way and will require you to make certain choices you you know of course you are ultimately as a founder and management team you are in control of that but you have pressure to move in a certain direction um as um you know you might have said i don't know a corporate uh corporate partner uh corporate investment or you might have like as in our case we have um very experienced private private investors and who have a different risk profile and who want the business to evolve in a certain way that not necessarily is the same um, or the same pace as if we were funded by institutional investors. And that's something that founders always you know, say, oh, I want to go with the top, the top name, but then they don't really have the risk appetite to go with that, with that kind of investor. And, and you, need to, you need to match that I think as soon as possible and have an understanding of where you want the business in three or five years. I've got a question real quick, just to chirp in. I know that some of the challenges people face is when multiple companies are trying to solve the same problem. And this problem of connecting students with the workforce is something that I think people um, understand. And there are a lot of different companies trying to solve that problem. So is there something that you did to, to 
communicate your difference and why you're better than the next? Or did you just focus on your lane and were you fastest to market? What are some of the ways that you differentiated? Because you're giving us a really good big picture, but like for you specifically, how are you able to stand out and how are you still alive after four years? You are an anomaly. Yeah, I think that's that he said about every startup that is still alive after four years. <laughs> um, it's um, no, it's uh, it's a good point. Um, we um, when we launched, we were the first market, and uh, when I say the first market, obviously, um, you know, recruitment graduate job boards have been around for a very long time, um, but always in the, they were very traditional um, kind of. Uh, place in the industry. Um, we were the first mobile app that was only dedicated to students. So there was an element of new there. But as I said, what convinced the investors um, primarily was attraction, was the number of students that we've had on the platform. It was the, the, the name, the brands that we had working with us. I mean, we, we work with companies from um, um, Apple to um, to. I don't know, JP Morgan and EY, Rolls-Royce, DHL. Um, We work with um, Vodafone and O2, some of the largest brands in the country. And these brands were all um, using debut, not just that, but effectively uh, singing our praises. So quite a lot of um, customer due diligence. And uh, actually this happened in both rounds, the seed round and the series A. And they basically want you to hear from I don't know, the head of, of, of graduate recruitment at Capital Mitai whether, whether um, you know, what they thought of debut and how they were using debut. And when your customer says, yes, this is, you know, I, I, I can quote actually Vodafone in the testimonial said, uh, debut is our secret weapon, attract more uh, female applicants and more uh, BAME students. Um, who are a, a, an audience that they would struggle to attract otherwise. And that's that's you know that's what makes uh, that's what signs the deal. Um, gotcha. Makes- so you really you really leverage the brand halos of the company to focus on yeah. the traction first, even though you were first to market in a sub market of a larger problem. So I think that's a great point. Correct. And uh, I mean, you need to you know as I I kind of probably just very uh, lightly um, mentioned earlier, you need to see what your strength is and you need to sell that. Right. Uh, if I had, uh, if I had a CTO that was a, a former CTO of Facebook, I would probably focus very much on the pedigree of, of uh, you know, the technical team. Uh, we had a, a good traction, and so we definitely leveraged as much as possible uh, that. Um, which I mean, which obviously is a proof of you know, we're doing something right. Yeah. For years, fortunately, we're still here. There is something interesting about your uh, marketplace that I was just mm. thinking while we are uh, talking. So uh, when we enter and when we go through this, uh, we were talking about the, um, the Crossing the Chasm uh, book. Yeah. And, um, and of course, one, one of the most difficult parts of transition from a startup to a scale-up is really prioritizing growth over efficiency, speed, speed over efficiency, uh, growth over profitability. And I was thinking, how can you really scale uh, your marketplace? And I was thinking that uh, according to what you were saying, if you are able to have these really big, large enterprises, 
the amount of job offers and opportunities for the graduates would be immense. At the same stage, if you have the right um, universities on another side of the marketplace, they will also plug in a lot of students. So, which, which seems an interesting proposition for a marketplace because usually uh, marketplaces are a lot uh, consumer to consumer, which are very difficult to attract. In your case, if you are able to kind of attract successfully large corporates and large mm -hmm. universities and bring them in, uh, you can have uh, a lot of users uh, in the platform uh, mm. benefiting from from there. So uh, how are you solving this problem of scaling a marketplace on both sides very quickly? Mm. Yes, uh, so um, it's um, at times with difficulty, I have to say, it's not, it's not as uh, it's not as easy. I think nothing in the in the startup world, when you're trying to create something that did not exist before, it's never, it's never easy. Um, I have to say, in our, in our experience, it's, um, it depends on what phase of growth you are. It's not, I don't think there is an answer that works, um, um, you know, when you pre-launch and it works, you know, 10 years later. Um, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, when we started, what was important for us was to get as many brands on the platform posting jobs and sending this push notification and, and finding um, talent on the platform as possible because the top brands will attract students i mean ey is one of the largest um one of the largest recruiters graduate recruiters in the country and having them and l'oreal and on as um, as brands on the platform obviously we sold the product at the beginning on a powerpoint presentation because we had a demo on a form that was not really the actual product. It was just a demo. And, uh, and we basically said, we're going to launch in the season and the recruitment season, the peak of the recruitment season, we're going to like, put a lot of money marketing to get users. And, you know, at the beginning, you don't have to pay us. You just have to have your brand on our platform and promise us that you're going to use it. Um, and, um, so we had to, we built one side of the marketplace first, mm -hmm. knew was that the one that was going to attract the students. If we had done the opposite, if we had a lot of students, I mean, first of all, you can't get students without having anything to offer them. But more importantly, we would be like everybody else. I mean, the students are in job boards. Um, like they would have not been strong enough for why, for example, on a platform. While we had a new technology, we had we we allowed these companies to be seen to put, to put themselves uh, and be seen as a trailblazers um, in in technology and in recruitment and be the first one to be able to hit students directly on their mobile phones. And so that's what brought them on the platform. Um, now today, fast forward four years. Um, Hundred companies. We work with some of the largest uh, players, recruiters in in the UK, and um, we have 150,000 students registered on the platform. We are now, and and we've been able to grow two sides, um, probably like in line. So we we kind of track the liquidity, the demand and supply uh, for jobs per job per company per sector uh, per location, and we've been trying to kind of grow at the same time. But we feel that now to get to the next stage, 
we need to prioritize the student side. We need to grow the student side now considerably more and faster than we bring the employers because the next batch of employers that we bring will be attracted by the volumes that we have on the platform, which is something which is the opposite of what happened four years ago when we launched. So hence my answer that it's not a linear relationship and it's not a one kind of one strategy fits all. Um, it's for us, it's very depending on the stage where um, the stage of growth. Got it. And uh, there was a very interesting conversation. I believe it was uh, last uh, Friday uh, about the importance of segmentation, especially in the beginning of the scale-up process, which is kind of counterintuitive. Uh, instead of going general in terms of sectors, kind of focusing yeah. in just one um, sector, would it offer any advantage to, to your marketplace to focus just in financial services, for instance, or just telcos, um, or just management uh, consulting companies? So what, what is your take on, on that? Um, it would have probably helped. We didn't do it. However, we did have another type of segmentation, which was um, the type of customers that we were targeting. So mm -hmm. for the you know, times top 100 graduate employers in the country, we went for the largest companies, the largest graduate recruiters in the country. And, and one of what's, what, why that is important is because um, you know, the markets, you know, the graduate market is not the big market. Everybody knows each other. And everybody talks to each other, and you know we all meet at the various awards, you know, three times a year, um, awards ceremonies, and various industry events. Therefore, um, having you know someone from EY saying good words um, and you know saying good things about debut to someone you know that is a small startup um, recruitment, um, I don't know, um, manager. Um, does not have a lot of value because they are in very different places. While if someone at another big four or at the bank hears someone from you know big four talking about this new product, really mm -hmm. go after the same students. So maybe the platform is use, is useful for us. And so we actually picked a target customer that was um, where you could have uh, some sort of you know testimonials and you can have. Um, um, you know, where people can effectively um, vouch almost for, for the validity of, of the products. And that's the segmentation that we've had. Now, as the company expands, we will go and expand and go, you know, down the pyramid, if you like, of, uh, of, of different, different clients and go and try to target smaller employers um, in specific areas. Um, but but we've, not, we've not segmented completely you know on a on a sector sector by sector basis there are sectors that we don't target but mm -hmm. the majority we probably cover 75% of the market Got it. and uh, as you solve uh, one of as, as you see that uh, one of the main issues of corporates um, of of this specific target market to attract their own talent and how how do you solve this for their boots so how do you assure that you have the right people uh, coming on board as the company scales. The right, the right student or the right people in the team. 
the right people on the team. Yeah, the right people on the team. Wow, it's uh, you know I always say people in your team is the most important asset that a company can have, and I know that every entrepreneur will tell you the same. You cannot uh, overstate the importance of hiring and the importance of having um, the right the right team. And uh, is you know one advice that I always. Uh, gave and it's not one that I've always applied myself. Uh, it's not try to save money when hiring people. It's not. <laughs> it's a is an investment that will return with will yield ten times over its its cost, its salary, its yearly salary. Um, it's it's super important, and I don't think I, I can't say that we nailed it. I can't say that I can't say that we. Know how to hire the best people, um, but we've always tried to focus very much on on attitude, on the kind of can-do attitude and positive attitude, rather than just pointing out, okay, there is a problem there. We we'll say, okay, what do you do to resolve it? And so, in interviews, we ask a lot of questions around, oh, what didn't work in your last company or in your last role, and and see how the person, if you know, if they just blame some other teams and that's it uh, versus what mm -hmm. but then that's what i did to try to solve it for my team or, or for you know my specific role and that's something that for me as is incredibly important um when when hiring um and also as i said you know don't um you know that, that um hire the right person for today's role because that's when they're gonna you know hit the ground running and they need to do a lot of running but also don't be um, attached necessarily to someone in a certain position for, you know, for the life of, of your business. And this is something that it took some time for me to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. I always felt that it was almost um, disrespectful when you hire someone that puts a lot of effort and then after one year or 18 months you have to layer the person and hire someone on top of them because it's uh, you know after they've made all the effort you know to get you where you are um it you know it, it almost felt like it was not a nice thing to do but over time i understood that actually that's it's better for the company but it's also better for the employee because if the company is scaling up faster than the skills, the abilities of that particular employee, having someone more experienced in, you know, above him or her and being able to learn from that person is ultimately going to benefit the career of that particular employee, um, you know, in, in the future um, anyway. So it's, um, it, it's something that um, I think every founder needs to be ready to do. Um, no one, it's when basically the role has, has outgrown skills of um of that particular employee um again very hard practice but yeah so uh amazing way of kind of concluding this great conversation uh i would just summarize your two key learnings or key uh, ideas which is first uh hire less but better and second um try to have the right people for the stage that you are in and understand that maybe for the next stage, that person could not be, uh, cannot be the right one and you need to have the courage to make the changes. So Ryan, word back to you and thanks so much, Michele.
Thank you very much, guys. You are on mute, Ryan, but we are loving the painting. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. So uh, I'm saying I got a lot of a lot of stuff out of here. There's a lot of doodles, and if I were to pull it all out, um, it's interesting because the one thing that sticks out of my mind is one of the last things that you said, which is you, having the right attitude. And this ties into what Mike said, having the right attitude to hire the right person for the right spot, having the right attitude to understand that it's not something you should try to pinch pennies on when you're bringing on the right team, and more so having the right attitude when you are approaching investors, uh, thinking from their side of the view. Are they more focused on traction? Are they more focused on the businesses that you're working with? And at the end of the day, um, you know, I think we've got a real good high level of the importance of uh, understanding that there's no single option for a double-sided market. And I think that as we go more mobile, you will have two sides to the coin, the users, and then those people who are you're connecting those users with. And so I think looking about looking at it in a holistic way, um, you know, you're, you're looking at this as a, a scale-up that's constantly moving. Uh, and I think that that's something that pulls out of it because I love how you have the advice, but you still have a hard time following it. And what was different four years ago is not the same today. And so by having that kind of constant learning mentality, uh, I think is why you are uh, and have found the success that you have. So again, these are the kind of insights that you don't necessarily get on the street in conversations. You don't get to hang out with these people regularly. So if you enjoyed this, definitely leave a comment, share it on your social because there's plenty of nuggets and share what you took away. If you want to find more of these episodes, you can go to scaleupvalley.com where we put all of them together in one nice bucket so you can get lost and binge watch, binge listen to your heart's delight to move you from a startup to a scale-up. Now, what does that actually mean? We're still trying to figure that out, but we are here to help you figure it out. Uh, on behalf of myself and Scale of Valley and everyone from around the world, Keep at it. Keep that right attitude when you're hiring, firing, and figuring out what you're going to do to raise more money when you need it. Uh, all right, guys. This has been a lot of fun. We'll see you soon. Thank you.